tonight. And we're uh, uh, finishing up the series next week on what's in a name. And I can't tell you how this has blessed me just studying it, preparing for it. I love the Word of God, and I know that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And if you want your faith built, read your Bible. Just read the Bible, and it will build your faith. And so tonight we're going to look at one of my favorite names for God, Jehovah-Rohi, Jehovah my shepherd. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to stand to read nine words, just nine words, and then we're going to pray. This is the first time that you find Jehovah-Rohi in the Old Testament or in the, in the Bible where he's called this, the Lord is my shepherd. So let's just read this together. We all know this is from the most famous poem in the world. Did you know that? The 23rd Psalm is the most famous poem in the world. So let's read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now I want us to do it with this emphasis. The Lord is my shepherd. So can we do it? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Father, thank you that you're our shepherd and you're guiding and leading us. And I pray that tonight the illumination of the Holy Spirit will be mightily upon us. You will open our eyes, strengthen our faith, and assure us and comfort us of the shepherdhood of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good tonight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you really believe what we are uh, teaching tonight, what the Word says tonight, it takes a lot of the anxiety out of living. If you believe the Lord is your shepherd, it is those times we don't know for sure, or we doubt, or we struggle in stressful situations, or situations that we don't understand, when it looks like God is not in control. It's those times when the shepherdhood of God is questioned without us really necessarily consciously being aware of it, that stress really moves in. But I believe the 23rd Psalm is probably the most quoted portion of Scripture in the whole Bible. Uh, it has been read at more bedsides of people dying. And, uh, you know, I learned a long time ago, the 23rd Psalm is not a psalm for dying only. It's a psalm for living. And if we'll live, the Lord is my shepherd. Then, as I said, there's a lot more peace. There's a lot more security. So we're going to look at that. Now, we've seen in our exploration of the names of God that every name of God tells us something profoundly meaningful to our walk with God, every one of those names. To know and understand his names is to know God better. And what did Paul say? That I may know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. Now, I had to bring this quote from Spurgeon the great preacher Charles Spurgeon once again tonight. It's so good. He says, the more you know about the Lord and the better you know his name, the more intelligently you'll call upon that name. If you're never taught that he's Jehovah Jireh, how are you going to intelligently pray for provision? If you don't know he's Jehovah Rophi, how are you intelligently going to pray for healing? If you don't know he's Jehovah Shalom, how do you have confidence that he's your peace? So to know and understand his names is to be able to pray 
more intelligently. Now, Jesus referred to himself as our shepherd. And I like that term about Jesus more than any of the other names by which he called himself. The bread of life, the light of the world, so on and so forth. I love the good shepherd. The good shepherd, Jesus said, gives his life for the sheep. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And you know that I'm your shepherd because I die for you. I put my life on the line for you. And that's how you know. King David, himself a shepherd, referred lovingly to God as his shepherd. David was a shepherd, and he said, hey, I understand shepherding. I understand herding sheep, protecting sheep, feeding sheep, caring for sheep. And now it's very clear to me that God is my shepherd. His statement has the ring of a full experience of a faith sobered by trials and a life mellowed by the passing years. He looks back over the stormy, troubled years when his life was hunted by the relentless King Saul, and he looks through the years of rebellion and warfare, of sin and sorrow, and he finds God's goodness and his guiding presence through it all. Haven't you been able to do that? Amen. Isn't that good? This is why he can look forward to the years ahead and say, read it with me, everybody, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know, I've got, uh, you know, we've got a house full of dogs. We have three chihuahuas. I'm, I'm going to kidnap the one that Jeremy brought home with him when he moved back in with us for a little while. He brought this little chihuahua that has just become my buddy. Kathy had her chihuahua. I wanted mine. And this little guy's name is Pogo, Pogo, because he bounces like he's on a pogo stick. He jumps. And I made the mistake of taking him for a walk once in this little pouch that's like a kangaroo pouch. You put these little, and I do it at dusk so nobody sees me. <laughs> I do it at dusk. And, and here he is, and, you know, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm like this, this camel that just carries them around. And anyway... I, I took him on a long walk, and it just took one time. And of course, Kathy's chihuahua, Poppy, has already been addicted, become addicted to this walk. So there's only one pouch. So now, when I start to go out, I have two chihuahuas bouncing up and down, scratching on my legs, giving me a look that is irresistible. Take me, please take me, no take me, no take me. And so they'll follow me. When they can tell that I've got a little jacket on and I'm, I'm ready to go, they follow me all around the house. They follow me everywhere. Everywhere I go. And I got to thinking about this verse, surely goodness and mercy <laughs> shall follow me. And I got to thinking I should have called one of them goodness and the other one mercy <laughs> because they follow me everywhere I go. And that's, that's what he's saying. Now, we, we tend to look at God's blessings like... Um, something you got to fight for and strive for and reach for and sometimes you do but here he's telling us that when the Lord is your shepherd here's what it's going to come down to things are going to start following you around like goodness and mercy bouncing up around you all the time trailing you tracking you following you overtaking you take me take me take me take me that's really what he's saying now 
Let's look at this name now. What's in a name? The primary meaning of the word roe, we call it Jehovah Rohi, but here's the, the root word roe, is to feed or lead to pasture. So when you talk about Jehovah Rohi or Roe, you're talking about Jehovah who feeds us or leads us to pasture as a shepherd does his flock. Now let me give you a couple of instances. The story of Joseph in Egypt opens with Joseph, quote, feeding, Roe, feeding the flock with his brethren. The word Roe is also used figuratively to indicate the relationship between prince and people. The tribes of Israel say to David, quote, in the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And David, the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people, Israel, and you will become their ruler. You're going to be their shepherd, David. Isn't it interesting that when God appointed David as king, God was thinking shepherd. He wasn't thinking tyrant or dictator or despot. He was thinking shepherd. And David, I've appointed you. You learn in the natural how to shepherd sheep. Now you're going to shepherd my people. And that's what I'm anointing you to do, David. In Jeremiah 3.15, God promises to give the people pastors or shepherds according to his heart, which shall feed you, said God, with knowledge and understanding. And I'm going to tell you, folks, when I read that verse, I've, I've read it many times, but I read it again recently, and that's what I do. I'm called a pastor, and I'm foraging for food, spiritual food, all the time. Because my calling is to feed you. My calling is to feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's my calling. And we pray for you and we feed you. I know if you're fed well, you'd be happy. I can walk into a church and it take me it take me three minutes to tell if those people are fed well. You know how? They're smiling. Or they're not. And if they're grim, if they look like they just lost their best friend, if they look like they'd rather be anywhere but there, they're not being fed. Because the Word makes people happy. It, it makes people happy. The statutes of the Lord are right, doing what to the heart? Rejoicing the heart. So a well-fed people will go out smiling, laughing, happy, bouncing. Now, you know, there's a few sourpusses, but what are you going to do? For the most part, it's like I always tell you, if you go to a restaurant or something after you've been to this church, you better go in there smiling and be happy. If you go in there all depressed and down and blue, don't tell them you were here. Tell them you were somewhere else. But I expect you to go out blessed. And I know that if I just stay with this and feed you this, you will be a happy bunch. Yeah. Now, Jesus commanded Simon Peter to do what? Feed my lambs, my sheep. You love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Three times, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. Roe is also the word for friend. I didn't know this. In Exodus 33 and verse 11, where, quote, Jehovah spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Roe, his friend. 
Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that roe signifies to associate with, to take pleasure in, to cherish as something treasured. It expresses the intimacy of sharing life. That being so, the Lord being our shepherd speaks of a deep relationship where life, affection, nearness, and intimacy are shared. That's what it means. We say, the Lord is my shepherd. It means he's not just feeding me, but I'm in intimate relationship with him. He's my friend and I'm his friend. Jesus said, you're my friend if you do whatever I command you to do. So it's a powerful word, not just to feed, but to be a friend, to fellowship, to feed friendship and to feed with relationship. And we're to be in relationship with him, not just Sunday mornings, but every day he wants to hear from you and he wants you to hear from him. All right? It is the name, it is in the name Jehovah-Rohi that this relationship finds its highest and tenderest expression, this Roe relationship. For Jehovah is the shepherd of his people. No other name of Jehovah has the tender, intimate touch of this name, Jehovah-Rohi. I'm thankful that he's my healer. I'm thankful that he's my peace. I'm thankful that he's my righteousness. I'm thankful that he's my provider. But if I have my pick, I want first shepherd. I want first shepherd. Because that means he's right here with me. That means he's guiding my path. That means he's taking care of my needs. That means he's protecting me from the devil. That means that he is there. And I am on his mind. Now let's refresh a little bit. Let's go back to the beginning of this series and just refresh with each name briefly. Remember now the name Elohim? Remember that first one we dealt with? It revealed God as the creator and the sovereign of the universe, of life and of all nations. Elohim is the first name for God revealed in the Bible. And it means he's the sovereign Lord of the universe and there is none other above him. All right? Then we looked at Jehovah. And Jehovah was seen as the eternal, self-existent God of revelation, and especially as the God of his covenant people. That's Jehovah. Then we looked at El Shaddai, and El Shaddai revealed him as the mighty, sufficient, and satisfying one. And as Adonai, he was seen as our sovereign Lord, the master of our lives, the boss man. Adonai. So there you got them. Those are the first four. Then we came to all of the names that followed after the name Jehovah. First one, Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh revealed him as the one who provides the sacrificial lamb for our redemption. That's the primary meaning of Jireh because that's when Abraham found the ram caught in the thicket. Okay? And he said, Jehovah Jireh. He provided he provided for redemption. Then next came Jehovah Rophi, and Jehovah Rophi revealed him as the healer of life's sicknesses and sorrows and disappointments. Praise God. Joseph named his children faith, or, uh, fruitful, one of them fruitful, and the other one forgetful. Come here, forgetful. Come here, fruitful. Why did he name one of them forgetful? He named him forgetful because God had made him forget all of his pain 
all the betrayals, all the heartache that had preceded his exaltation to second only to Pharaoh in Egypt. God had healed him of all those memories. Amen? And it only makes sense that fruitful followed forgetful. Because once God has healed your memories, that's when you really become fruitful. He had to forgive his brothers first, and then fruitful followed. So say with me, forgetful, and then fruitful. So the first one was forgetful, second one fruitful. That's in proper order. And so that's, a, that's Jehovah Rophi. He heals us. And then we looked at Jehovah Nissi, and he was seen as the standard of our victory in life's conflicts. He's our standard. And as Jehovah Makedesh, he was next. Jehovah Makedesh. That's a powerful one. Jehovah Makedesh sets his people apart for his own special possession, for his holy service. Jehovah Makedesh has everything to do with sanctification. And sanctification just has to do with being set apart for a special purpose. So can you say with me, I'm set apart for a holy purpose. All right, that's Makedesh. Now, then we looked at Jehovah Shalom, and that means he is the God of our peace. Hallelujah. And then we looked at Jehovah Sidkenu last time, and Jehovah Sidkenu is himself that is that righteousness, or he is himself righteousness to his people. He is our righteousness. That's Jehovah Sidkenu. He is our righteousness, and he is the only basis for our justification and our acceptance. I'm received into the grace of God, the good grace of God, because of the blood by which I was declared righteous. Amen? Now, those are the ones we've looked at so far. Now, tonight, the 11th one, none of these names can mean quite the same to his people as Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. The psalmist and the prophets are the first to apply this name to Jehovah. It appears first, as we said, in Psalms 23.1. But then it appears again in Psalms 80, verse 1. And the psalmist is praying to God, and here's what he says to God. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Well, that touches me. The psalmist is not the only one that saw God this way. Isaiah the prophet did too. Isaiah uses the same designation. Quote, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Isn't that beautiful? You know, if you were to see the Lord the way he really is, and I do this a lot. I, I, I do little pictures in my mind when I'm praying about certain things, when I'm praying about something stressful or that is a burden to me. I picture myself putting it in my hand is sometimes a gift wrap package. And I imagine myself placing it into the nail-scarred hands of Jesus that are outstretched towards me. And when he takes it, he closes his hand over it and takes it to himself. And then I walk away and I leave it there. But there are other times I picture him carrying me. Because that's what the prophet said he did. He carries us in his arms. You may not always feel carried, but you're carried. When you get to heaven, it's going to blow your mind how much you were carried. And all the times you would have and could have gone under, and you didn't because he was carrying you. Amen? Because he's our shepherd. Ezekiel paints a beautiful picture of this relationship following the abuse of God's people at the hands of false shepherds. 
God, he says, will search for his sheep and seek them out, the wounded ones, the hurt ones. He will feed them in a good pasture. He, quote, will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. You know, we hear about a man hunt. I'm going to tell you, there's a God hunt going on. I know all kinds of people that are not in church. They've gotten offended. They've gotten hurt. Something or another has gotten them away, and they fall in this category right here. And they don't realize it, but they can run, but they can't hide. Because the compassionate shepherd God is going to find them. He's going to find the broken ones. He's going to find the hurt ones. He's going to find the shattered ones. You know what he's going to do? He's going to seek what was lost. Bring them again. Bring those who were driven away back into the fold. And I'm watching it happen week by week. Amen? Isn't God good? Yeah, God is good. Now, I dug this up. This really blessed me. This is a bird's eye view. Somebody recently traveled to Palestine, and here's what they observed. Shepherding does not change much in Palestine where wild beasts may descend at any time upon unprotected sheep to destroy them. The Palestine shepherd lives night and day with his animals. He establishes an intimacy with them that is touching to watch. He calls them by their names, and they, knowing his voice and hearing his voice only, give heed to it. Real sheep real shepherds. He goes on and he writes this. He protects the sheep from thieves and praying animals who would devour them at night. By sleeping in the opening of the makeshift sheepfold and they, sensing his watchfulness, fear no evil. He provides pasture and water even in the wilderness and the presence of enemies and they, casting all their anxiety upon him, are fed. They know, there's my shepherd. And as long as I can see him, and even at night, he, he sleeps under a little lean-to so that he's got a full view of those sheep. And any wild beast that comes up, you know, me and my other dog were walking last night. We rounded this corner, and there right in front of us on the sidewalk or on the walkway stood a coyote looking right at me. First thing I did was I threw my dog in front of him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just wanted to be see if y'all were listening. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? I'm just joking with you. Edit that one out there, Jeff. No. What I, the first thing I did, truthfully, is I said, Ollie, come here quick. And I ran over to Ollie, and I grabbed him, and I put the leash on him because I had the leash off. And I held him because that coyote, Ollie will chase anything. And it would have been into the brush. So my first thought was, I'm okay because I know coyotes are afraid of people. But my little dog's in trouble, so I ran and got him. And I thought, that's a, a remote picture of a true shepherd who will run in front of a wolf or a lion or a bear to protect the sheep. And the sheep know it. And that's how they fear no evil. The patriarch uh, Jacob spoke of Jehovah as the God who fed me or shepherded me all my life long. Man, that grabs my heart. 
you know, we all want to be able to say, and we all will be able to say if we walk with God, when we're old and gray and, and got one eye towards eternity, here, here's what we'll be able to say. He shepherded me all my life long. He took care of me. He watched over me. He kept me. He was true to his word. Amen. David referred, David referred to Jehovah as the keeper of his people, their shade upon their right hand. He does not allow the sun to smite them by day nor the moon by night. He keeps them from all evil. He who watch, watches over them neither slumbers nor sleeps. God's got insomnia. When you're sleeping, he's awake. Amen? The intimacy of the shepherd, the intimacy of our shepherd is the most precious privilege and possession of the sheep. And it should be cultivated and it should be enjoyed. It comes by long and constant association and abiding in his presence. You know, with experience walking with God as the years go by, what used to make you nervous just doesn't make you nervous anymore. It's not your first rodeo. Been here, done that. And you look back and you go, he took care of me then, he'll take care of me now. He watched over me back there, he'll do it now. He provided back then, he'll do it now. That's the beauty of experience in walking with God. Now, David knew Jehovah-Rohi, not only as a shepherd, but as his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's a personal shepherd. David said of the Lord, and I love this, you know when I sit down and you know when I stand up. That's how personal God is. He's watching every move you make, watching over you with love, guiding you, putting angels around you, directing you, protecting you. And I love that. Jesus is our shepherd. Can you say with me, Jesus is Jehovah-Rohi. That's right. As with all of the other names for God, the picture of God as our shepherd is perfectly fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The glorious announcement of his birth was not by mistake. Who did God send the angels to first? Shepherds watching over their flocks by night. Not businessmen, not tax collectors, shepherds. In him, that is in Jesus, was fulfilled the word of Ezekiel. For thus says the Lord Jehovah, Behold, I myself, even I, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will deliver them. I will feed them with good pasture. I will cause them to lie down. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. I will seek that which was lost, he goes on to say. And will bring back that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. Are you broken tonight? And maybe somebody listening by radio, are you broken tonight? Are you broken listening in rush hour traffic? Are you broken listening at home? Do you know that if you give yourself to Christ Jesus, he will bind you up, he will help you, he'll heal you, he'll set the broken bones. He'll restore you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus' shepherd heart. You read the Gospels, you see it all the time. 
His shepherd heart was melted with compassion for a people who were like sheep without a shepherd. It says he was moved with compassion for everybody following him. He looked at them and said they are like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, feed them. And that's how the feeding of the multitudes with five loaves and two fishes happened. It happened with compassion as he looked at them as sheep with no shepherd. Um, he was wrung with grief for the scattered sheep of the house of Israel, whose shepherd he was. He would have, according to his own words, he would have rescued them and gathered them as a hen gathers her chicks, but they would not. And Peter reminds us that we were like uh, sheep going astray, but we had returned to him who is the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. Praise God. As the shepherd, he's gone on before and prepared the way. For having offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. And as the good shepherd of the sheep, he meets every need of his flock, according to Philippians 4.19. And he leads us into the green pastures of his word and feeds us upon the true bread of life. The psalmist said, he makes me lie down in pastures of green grass. He leads me beside the still waters. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. It's interesting. The word he leads in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, that word lead, is a word in the Hebrew that means to coerce, to pressure, to almost force, to bring pressure to bear upon someone so that they will walk in the path of righteousness. But when it says, he leads me beside the still waters, that's a different Hebrew word. It means he beckons. Come on, come on. Here's water. I can lead you to the water. I can't make you drink, but I can lead you to the water. So in one point, he beckons. The other point, he says, I'm going to make you walk in righteousness. I'm going to bring you into righteousness for my name's sake, because I know that's how the fruit's going to come into your life. So he brings pressure to bear. Anybody in here ever felt that pressure? Come on, child of God. <laughs> if you're saved more than an hour, you have felt that pressure. Amen? Now, he guides us into the right paths, and we are assured of his continuous presence. By day he gently leads, and by night he's the door of the sheep. Praise God. As our ever-present shepherd, he protects us from the perils that beset us round about. And you know what, everybody? Our perils are real. This is not a make-believe world. The perils are real. Real shepherds, true ones, remove poisonous plants out of pastures before they let the sheep graze in them. They'll go ahead of the sheep. And there are certain plants they look for, noxious, poisonous plants, and they'll uproot them all before they let one sheep into that pasture. Our shepherd does the same thing. And he, he looks for that which exploits and removes what destroys our faith. And I don't know about you, but the more I walk with God, the tighter it gets. And, and things that maybe he blinked at before, he doesn't blink at with me anymore. There, there's a lot of TV I just can't watch anymore. Now, I, I don't mean to meddle. You do whatever you want to do. But as for me... I'm sensing more and more noxious plants in that tube. Just poison to watch it. 
And we sit hours in front of that thing and then wonder why we don't feel the Spirit of God. I'm just saying, the more you walk with God, the more you're going to find Him coming in and saying, now, that's not really good for you. And yes, I used to blink at that, but we're growing up now, aren't we? So that's got to go. And I want that to go. And you find your conscience is sharper and keener than it used to be. And, and you find the shepherd going ahead of you saying, that's poisonous, that's noxious, that's not best, uh, that's not good. So let me pluck it up in your path before you go there and you graze. And he does, listen to what Paul said, Paul at Miletus, when he was at Miletus, warned the elders of the Ephesian church, I know this, that after my departing, grievous wolves are going to enter in among you. I know this. Not sparing the flock. He was warning them of noxious plants, poisonous plants. Jesus himself warned, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they're ravening wolves. When, they, when the false prophet comes on the scene, he's not wearing a red suit and a tail and a pitchfork. He's wearing a sheep suit. And he says, bah! But it's not real. So he said, beware. They got noxious plants, poisonous plants, and I don't want you uh, grazing there. Now, there are other dangers that real shepherds handled. As he went ahead of the sheep, his eye was always on the alert for the snakes, whose bite was death. And with his staff, he would crush their heads. So the great shepherd, our shepherd, who has already sealed the serpent's doom, will deliver us from falling into his power. And guess what? On the cross, he took his staff and he crushed the serpent's head. Amen. Now, he knows every one of his sheep by name. He knows the particular needs of every one of us. He knows our peculiarities. He knows our weaknesses. Isn't that a blessing to you? He knows all about you. I tell you, God, there's two things he never says. Oops, and he never says, well, I'll be. Not ever. What God says is knew it all the time. Knew it all the time. You think you're telling me something I don't know? Sometimes we go to God and say, Lord, and we pour out these things. We think he doesn't know. He knew before we were going to tell him about it. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your name. He knows your peculiarities better than your spouse does. Come on, y'all do have peculiarities, right? Anybody ever looked at you and said, you're strange. You got some quirks. And when we're sorely tried... He'll gently lead us on. When we're weary and wounded, He'll anoint our heads and heal our wounds and refresh us with tender care. He will. As His sheep, we're led down many paths. Sometimes the path is through fresh green meadows, and I love those times. Sometimes it's over rough, steep, rocky paths. And sometimes through very dark valleys where the sun scarcely shines. But He's still there. He's still there. And he'll lead us through. Yea, though I walk through that dark valley. But we are ever being taken to one place. You know what that is? After the heat and the burden of the day, the shepherd always gathers his sheep into the fold where there's no more fear of wolf or thief. So the Lord Jesus, our Jehovah-Rohi, 
is going to lead us into that final fold and rest that the Bible says is the throne of God, where John declares, quote, they serve him, that is us, we, you, serve him day and night in his temple. We will hunger no more. We will thirst no more. The sun will not strike us, nor any heat, for the lamb that is in the middle of the throne will be our shepherd. Isn't that beautiful? Next time we're going to finish up with Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. But let's stand tonight and let's thank God for being our shepherd. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. I want you to take a minute, church, and let's worship him. And Tom's going to minister in a song. Let's just come into the presence of God, our shepherd, and let's worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah.